Okay. Now, I believe that is a good introduction for us. Let's pray. Today we'll be talking about who will be raptured. Let's bow our heads and pray. I'll talk about it after we pray. Let's pray. Beverly, pray for us that God will speak to us today. Amen. Amen. She prayed that God will speak to some of us in here today. I pray that you'll be part of the psalm. Okay? So don't be distracted. Make sure you are part of the psalm. All right. So for some time now, I've been talking about Apocalypse. Last week, we finalized our discussion on the Antichrist. We looked at possibly where he will be coming from, the kind of person he will be. We looked at the mark of the beast and the purpose of the mark of the beast. The, what will happen to those who will take the mark of the beast and those who will not take the mark of the beast. And then we also looked at the end or the doom of the Antichrist. Right? We saw that there will be two people who, who would go to hell alive. They will not die. But whilst they are alive, they will be cast into hell. And those two are who? Judah. The Antichrist and the false prophet. They will be thrown into hell alive. That will be their end. Now, today, we'll be looking at who will be raptured. Because remember, when we talked about the rapture, we said that all of this about the Antichrist and the Great Tribulation and all that will be happening, there is a select few. Somebody's knocking there is a select few who will be chosen to escape what is going to come. Right? Myra, it's Ella. All right. Where was I? What was I saying? There will be a selected few who will be chosen to escape what is happening. Okay? Sorry? How do, how do you become part of the selected few? Exactly. That's what we are going to study today. Who will be raptured? Those who will be raptured are the ones who will escape what is going to happen. All that you saw in that short video and all the chaos, the judgments, the evil that is going to happen. They're all going to happen during the tribulation, but we can escape if we pay attention to what God is saying right now. Okay? So let's see who will be raptured. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, Michaela, read for me. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. She says, we will not all sleep. The word sleep there is referring to death because death is temporal you know death as much as we think it's like you're gone gone forever it's actually temporal it's it's a brief transition 
When people die, they're just sleeping, according to the scriptures. A time will come, all those who are dead, quote unquote, sleeping, will wake up. No, 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 no. Okay, good question. Let me clarify. Let me clarify. They're not just sleeping as in sleeping in the grave. No, no, no. They're sleeping, but their soul is either in paradise or in hell. Okay? Their soul is either in paradise or in hell. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after death, what? Judgment. So, according to what we understand from the Bible, once you die, what you face is judgment to determine where you are going. Yes. So then if some of them are in paradise and some of them are in hell, but they haven't faced judgment, shouldn't all of them be in paradise until judgment? No, they have faced judgment that determines where they are going, hell or paradise. When we talk about the final judgment, which has to do with those who would be living at the time of the uh, tribulation, at the end, when the judgment comes, the Bible says, even the sea will give up its dead that are in them. Everyone who was dead will rise up again to face the great white throne judgment. I don't want us to get distracted to talk about judgment now. That's not our focus in today's discussion. We'll talk about judgment next week. So if your question is about judgment, postpone it to next week. Yes. Yes, there is a difference between hell and the lake of fire. Hell will finally end up in the lake of fire. Okay? So there's a difference, right? There's something worse. We'll talk about all of that next week. Today we're looking, we want to see how we can escape these things. Okay? So let's focus on that. Now, it says we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. At the time the rapture occurs, all believers, not just some, all believers will be changed. All believers will be changed. Okay? Let me move on. Maybe I might answer your question. Okay, go ahead. Not just some means everyone who is a believer will be changed. Beverly, read the scripture for me. First Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 to 17. Amen. Amen. So you see here, it's saying, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. Now, what I want you to notice, it says the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ. So, it's referring to those who are in Christ. Okay, so they will rise first, and then we who are alive. So, it's, it's referring to the rapture. When the rapture happens, it's not just those of us who are alive who will be caught up. But everyone who has died a Christian, will they actually will first rise up. Right? Now, so, why will they rise up? Because they need a new body to enter into heaven. Right now they are in paradise. But they need to be given a new body to enter into heaven. Okay? And that new body will happen at the time of the rapture. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you read it, it says, we will be changed. 
mortality will take on immortality. What that means is this mortal body, all of a sudden, in a moment, it will be given an immortal body, which will never die. And once that transformation happens, we are caught up to, meet, to miss the Lord in the air. It's that kind of body that Jesus resurrected with. Do you get it? It's, it's, it's not a ghost. It's a real body. It's a physical body. It's actually called a spiritual body, but it's tangible. Okay? We, we've not seen it, so it's hard to imagine it, but it's a real body. It's, such, it's so real. Look at how Jesus, when he rose up, his disciples, even though he was in his resurrected body, his disciples could see the nails, the, the hole in his hand. They, they actually sat and ate with him. Right? They ate with him. So it, it's not like a ghost. It's a real body, but it's a spiritual body. It's not limited by the physical things around. So the disciples could all be in a room, and Jesus would just appear there without the door is locked, but he would just be there because it's not limited by the wall. It's a spiritual body. It's amazing. Sure, you have a whole lot of questions about it, but we'll not talk about that now. So the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will be caught up to meet with them in the air. So the rapture is for all true believers who are in Christ. Now, I want you to notice the emphasis that I'm putting in some of these statements. All true believers who are in Christ. He says, the dead in Christ. Right? And then we who are alive. So he's referring to we who are alive also in Christ. So the question that I have then is, who is a true believer in Christ? Would you like to know? Who is a true believer in Christ? Now, let's see. What does it mean to be in Christ? Nana, read for me. Right. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old, the old lifestyle, the old way of living has passed away. Now they have become a new person. That's how the Bible describes somebody who is in Christ. Right? It doesn't say somebody goes to church. Does it say somebody goes to church? No. Somebody who is in Christ, it says he's a new creation. The old thing has passed away. Everything has become new. Doesn't mean going to church is wrong. Going to church is part of being in Christ. But it's not the main thing. Do you get it? It's a changed life. I used to be this. Now I am this. Because I have believed in Jesus. Do you get it? John 15 verse 2 and 5. Irina, read for me and then ask the question. Okay, you want me to talk about it before you ask your question? Sure. So here he's saying, every branch in me, you see the emphasis, in me. We're talking of being in Christ. This is Jesus speaking. He's saying, anyone who is a branch in me and does not bear fruit, he does what? He takes it away. So that there are some people who will claim to be in Christ, but Jesus is looking for something that shows that you are in him, right? What is that? Fruit. So he says, anyone who is in me but does not bear fruit, he does what? He takes away. 
right? Okay. Um, let me finish so that you can come with your question. And then he says, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. You know what pruning is? Right? When, it's, when the, it, the branch is bearing fruit, and sometimes it has so many leaves, it's hindering the fruit from becoming big, right? There's other things that are hindering it. Then he will be pruning it, cutting some of the unnecessary parts that are hindering the fruit from coming, so it will be able to bear more fruit, right? So every brand that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will bear more fruit. Then Jesus says, I am the vine. You, talking about us, we are the branches. Whoever abides in me, we're talking of people who are in Christ, whoever abides in me and I in him, he says, he is the one who bears much fruit. So if I were to ask you, who is somebody who is in Christ? How will you know that this person is in Christ? What would be your answer? Aaron? He says, whoever abides in me and I in him, the same is the one that does what? Bears much fruit, right? So the way that I can see that this branch, right, is actually part of this apple tree is by looking for what on the branch? Apple fruit, exactly. If I see apple fruit and I see that this is an apple tree, then I can know that it's connected to it because no branch by itself bears fruit, right? So the way to tell that I am in Christ is by looking for fruit. Who had, who had a question? Um, by bearing fruit, you mean like bringing people to God? Okay, so we're going to talk about bearing fruit. We'll talk about bearing fruit. What does it mean to be in Christ? Galatians 5, 19 to 24. Emmanuel, read for me. In all the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensu sensuality, idolatry, so sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Amen. Amen. So now he's talking about fruit. And he's saying, the part that really hit me when I was reading this myself was how he said in the verse 21, I warn you. You know, it's serious when someone is writing something and he's telling you, look, I'm warning you. I'm really warning you. Pay attention to what I'm telling you as I've warned you before. This is so serious that it's a warning. That what was the warning? that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter who is telling them they will. It doesn't matter who is painting it so nicely, telling them that, oh, yeah, you're all going to heaven. Paul is saying, I'm warning you. All who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are you following? This is the Bible. And what are those things? He calls them the works of the flesh, the things of the sinful nature. And he lists so many things, sexual immorality, anything to do with sexual immorality. I mean, in there is anything you can think of. There's pornography, there is um, sexual abuse of all sorts, 
um, impurity. Uh, there are people who are not bold enough to actually do the sexual things with people, but they imagine all sorts of filthy things in their mind. Right? That's what impurity is. Sensuality, idolatry. You know, idolatry is anything that takes the place of God in your life. That's why I was telling you about don't be distracted when you come to God. Your phone can be your idol. Like, you can't, you can't, you can't, like, I don't know how to say it. You can, you can get by with people, but not with God. You know, God, Bible says God is not to be mocked. You can't take God for granted and, and, and go scot-free. Idolatry is a sin. Nothing should come between you and God. When it's God's time, it's God's time. You get it? You put everything aside, it's God's time. And then he talks about sorcery. Anything to do with the occultic world, magic, um, horoscope. You know horoscope is evil, right? Yeah, all those stuff. Don't even follow it. It's occultic. It's evil. It's, it's sorcery. It's, don't follow it. Maybe, maybe, maybe at the time I'll talk to you about occultism. Yeah, it's fortune telling. It's, there's no difference between that and fortune telling. And the Bible actually prohibits. Scriptures prohibit fortune telling. No matter how it is. That's why when I go to the Chinese store and they give me fortune cookies, I throw it away. So, are you telling me, are you telling me you believe in what the fortune cookie is saying that, wait, 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 the fortune cookie is saying you are going to get a job, right, and so you are going to believe that, meanwhile you've not even read your Bible the whole week, sorry, the cookies are good, of course. Eat the cookies. But what I'm saying is, it's sad when you see Christians who don't read their Bibles put all their hope in a fortune cookie statement. That is a sure sign that you are backslidden. God's word is more powerful than a fortune cookie story. Do you get it? You might as well go to the, the fortune teller's room and have her tell you that you are going to get a job. What's the difference between you and the person who just went to the fortune cookers, uh, fortune what? <laughs> tell us room to tell them what um, is going to happen to them. There's no difference. The point here is, what is your focus on? Is it on God or is it on yourself? Okay. Then he talks about, are you with me? Are you with me? Can I go on? Yeah. He talks about fits of anger, jealousy, strife, enmity. You know, those are, those are serious things. One thing I vowed to myself when I was growing up, that there should never be a person on earth, however wide or big earth is, there should never be a person that I should say, this person I don't talk to. Never. Never. No matter what happens, I will not let offense cause me to um, be in a fist of anger or 
some enmity between me and somebody else. No way. If you offend me and I really get hurt, one of the things that I usually do is to buy a gift for you. Yes. Because reason is I am not buying it for your sake. I'm buying it for my own sake. I want it to get out of my heart. I don't want to hold it against you. You know why? Because Jesus said, if I do not forgive my brother who has offended me, my father in heaven will not forgive me my sins. And I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I still sin. And I need the father to forgive me. Do you get it? So if I don't forgive you, do you think I'm going to heaven? No. Are you with me? If you walk in unforgiveness, you are removing yourself from the people who will be raptured. Okay, yes. Like, we always say, oh, you know, I'm going to do that, you're not going to have it. But, like, in all, in all, like, if you're, like, a good Christian, you're saying, a good believer, like, do you think, like, maybe you're not friends with this person, God will say, oh, you're not going to have him because you weren't friends with this person? So, not being friends, I, I, not everybody's my friend. Or, like, not talking to this person. Yeah, not talking to the person. Not forgiving them. Not, for, not forgiving them is a serious sin. Unforgiveness, yes. Yes, unforgiveness. What if you forgive them, but you talk to them, but not the same way? You can forgive, See, now, now, guys, listen. Guys, we have to finish today. Otherwise, I'm going to cut it and we won't continue. You won't know if you're going to be raptured or not. So let me flow. Let me, let me, let me go through the lesson. Michaela, if you follow the lesson, I will address it, okay? Um, Maxine, or someone had their hand up here. Yeah, I did. Okay. But then you my question. All right. Okay, let's move on then. So, he's saying those who do such things. Now, when I read the Bible, I want to pay attention to what the Bible is talking about that's in my life. Because I, I really don't care about everybody else. So when it comes to going to heaven, it's me and God. Mm-hmm. Like, period. So, I don't care what somebody else thinks. I want to understand it for myself. So when he says, those who do such things, I quickly turn my attention to what are the such things. That's why I was talking to you about those things. And I want to really understand it. I go into the Greek, try to understand what are these words, what do they mean, and all of that. You know, some people read this and they say, oh, yeah, it doesn't mention homosexuality and whatever. It does. It talks about sexual immorality. If you go into the Greek word there that is translated sexual immorality, it's a word that was used in those times to refer to all forms of sexual perversion. Of all kinds, right? And he says, Don't, I'm warning you. Say, I am warning you. Don't let anybody deceive you. If you do these things, you will not go to heaven. You will not. I mean, you can be the Pope, you can be the pastor with the collar, whatever, you will not be in the rapture. Are you with me? Can I move on? All right. Yes, Chris. You can change. You can change. If you want to, but you have to change now before the rapture happens. Now, let's move on. What does it mean to be in Christ? Revelation. Guys. Anel, can you read the scripture for me, please? Revelation 3, verse 14 to 20. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Right. The words of the Amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Um, <coughs> with that, you were either cold or hot. 
so because you are lukewarm and neither hard nor cold i will spit you out of my mouth for you say i'm rich i prospered i need nothing not really realizing that you are a wretch pitiable blind and naked i counsel you I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and slave, i.e. oil, to, your, to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him, and he and he with me. Amen. Amen. Now this is this is very serious. Let me talk about this briefly. Maybe I might talk about your question, okay? This is serious because these are directly the words of Jesus. Jesus spoke these words directly to the apostle John as he wrote the book of Revelation which we've been studying. Are you are you listening? So when Jesus was writing to the church, this was to a church. This was not to unbelievers. This was to a church. Jesus said, write to them, and he says, these are the words of the amen. See how Jesus introduces himself to this church. Are you listening? He says, I am the amen, the faithful and true witness. Now, I have emphasized that because I want you to pay attention to how Jesus introduces himself. If Jesus comes to you and introduces himself and says, um, I am the savior of the world, then you know he's going to talk about salvation. If he comes and introduces himself and says, I am the judge of all the earth, then you know he's going to talk about judgment, right? He can introduce himself in many ways. He can introduce himself and say, I am the father of the fatherless. Then you know he's going to be a father in a comforting way to you. Do you get it? So when he comes and introduces himself and he says, I am the amen, the true, the faithful and true witness. A witness is somebody who speaks what they have seen. Okay? They, they, they talk about what they have seen. And he's qualifying his type of witness by saying, I am the true witness. In other words, what he was trying to tell the church was, look, everybody thinks of you to be something. But I am not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you guys the truth of what I have really seen about you. People think you are all that. You see, when we read it, it said, you say, I am rich and I have prepared, I have prospered. I have need of nothing. People saw them and said they are prospered. These are prospered people. But Jesus comes and says, look, I am the true witness. I'm not going to lie to you guys and sugarcoat my words. I'm going to tell you as it is. That you guys are so backslidden that I'm even thinking of vomiting you out of my mouth. Now remember, we're talking about being in Christ to qualify for the rapture. If he vomits you out, will you be in him? No. no. You won't be in him. So why would Jesus want to vomit out these people? What have they done? He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. You are lukewarm. In other words, you now, you are not in the world. But you now, too, are, you are not in, in me fully. It's like I'm here, here, half, half. When it's church time, I go. When they are going for parties, I also go. 
with them. Right? When, when the people who are not Christians are doing their worldly things, you find me there. When the Christians are also doing their churchy things, you find me there. That is a lukewarm person. And the faithful and true witness, he's saying, I am not going to sugarcoat. You know how some pastors try to sugarcoat things because they want you to come to church, you know? It's okay, just come. Just come and give the offering. No, the faithful and true witness, he doesn't care about your offering. He doesn't care about you coming to add to the number. He's saying, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. He actually said, I wish you were either cold or hot. And actually, his wish was that you were either a full-blown unbeliever who is having good time in the world, right? Knowing fully that you are going to hell and enjoying yourself in the world, or you are a full-blown follower of Jesus Christ who is going all out for him. That's actually what he wishes for all of us. So being like sitting on the fence halfway, you know, I'm in, but I'm not fully in. Jesus doesn't like that. He says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Amen. And then he tells them, I am counseling you to buy from me gold refined by fire and white garments so that you'll be clothed. And then salve or medicine like oil for your eyes so that you will see. He, talks, he, he, he recommends three things to them that will help them to turn around, okay? And what are those three things? Gold refined by fire. He's talking about a certain passion for God that nothing can quench, a certain heart for God. You know, gold, because of its very nature, when you put it through fire, it just gets better and better. When you have a passion and a love for God, it doesn't matter what you go through, it just makes you better and better and better. You love him the more and the more and the more. Do you get it? That's what he was recommending for them. That you need to rekindle your love, your passion, your zeal for me. That's why he said, be zealous. Remember the scripture? He said, verse 19, be zealous and repent. In other words, get back to your passionate love for me again. Have you seen a young man who is passionately in love with a young woman? He doesn't joke with her. He sees the phone call and he's peeing. He's just peeing in the washroom and the phone call comes. He will jump and go forget that he's peeing to pick the phone call. Yeah, that's crazy. But that's the kind of passion that Jesus wants. You know, it's sad. Are you listening? It's sad when when people give all kinds of excuses, excuses why they cannot be involved, why they cannot commit so much. They give all kinds of excuses. And those same people, you will see them spending all their time for something else. You think God doesn't see? God sees it. Right? And today, God is challenging all of us, including myself. Let us rekindle that love. Again, and then he says white garments. And that white garment is talking about living right, a holy lifestyle. That is the lifestyle that bears fruit. Remember, he says the fruit, we didn't even talk about the fruit. The fruit was what? Love, joy, peace. Let's go back to the fruits. Love, joy, peace. Oh, sorry, I was just going forward. 
see here, it says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And you see those three, love, joy, and peace, they more have to do with things within yourself, right? Love, joy, and peace is something internal, within yourself, how you um, feel within yourself. And then patience, gentleness, self-control have to do with how you interact with others, right? People can get on your nerves. Um, are you patient with them? Are you self-control? Are you gentle? But those are all the fruits of the Spirit. That someone who gets into Jesus like fully and seriously, right? Not sitting on the fence. The more you get into Jesus, the more he refines your character to become like him. Okay? And then the, the last three, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, those have to do with how you invest your life into other people's lives. You're not just selfish. You pour out yourself. Like what I'm doing, you know, I'm pouring out myself into you guys, investing into you guys. Kindness, showing kindness to somebody else. So somebody will benefit. Did you get it? Goodness, being a good person. And faithfulness, being loyal. In other words, when something is committed to your trust, you are faithful. When we say, do this thing, we can rely on you that you will do it. Do you get it? That is faithfulness. And that's the fruit of the Spirit. And what we are learning is that white garments is living right. You'll be able to bear all of these fruits. How? As you walk with the Holy Spirit. That is why it is not called the fruit of Cyril. It is called the fruit of the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit's fruit. As you yield to him, as you depend on him, he will allow you to live the life of Jesus. Because we are not perfect. I mean, sometimes people can get on your nerves and you just feel like giving them a slap with your backhand. Not even the front one, with this one. Right? But... As you, you feel, I feel really like slapping this person and then you say to yourself, oh, Holy Spirit, help me. Please help me. I don't want to lose it. I really don't want to lose it. I pray that prayer many times. And as I pray it, he helps me. She has a good question. Yes. So what about if our parents beat us? Isn't that also, are they also sinning too? Yeah. People, people, you cannot stop people from doing what they will do. But you can grow yourself up to determine how you respond to maltreatment or mistreatment. Yes. Yes, don't spare the rod and spoil the child. There are various reasons why your parents will discipline you. We don't want to get into that. The point here is that when Jesus was talking to the church in Laodicea, who he was about to vomit from his mouth, he was advising them to do three things. One, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. In other words, for them to rekindle their passionate love for him. Second, white garments so that their nakedness will be clothed. He's telling them, get back into right living. You get it? Right living. Don't, don't be here and here. Don't be lukewarm like here and here. No, no, no. If I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. It's the badge I'm wearing. Full stop. No questions asked. I don't do this. If that's what you guys want to do, bye-bye. I'm not part of this. <laughs> that's it. You draw the line. Do you get it? Until you do that, 
I can't really tell whether when the rapture happens, you will go. Me, I'm very, very honest with you. I'm not here to sugarcoat and paint things and say, as long as you come to church, you are going to be raptured. He's saying, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. And it is only those who are in Christ who will be raptured. And if he vomits you, you are no longer inside him, are you? The third thing that he tells them is to, to, to get medicine for their eyes so they will see. And what, why? Why do they have to see? Because he wants them to be watchful, watching for his coming. They have to be ever ready, ever ready. And I'm going to talk about this further as we move on. But let's look at this scripture which talks about watchfulness. Matthew 24. Zoni, can you read for me? But now this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night, the, and what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let, and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Amen. He's saying, you also. You know, when somebody says you also, it's an emphasis. Okay, you also. In other words, he's saying. The very fact that we are all in church doesn't guarantee that we are all going to be raptured. It is an individual responsibility when he says, you also. If Pastor Cyril is making sure that he'll be raptured, it does not mean that the youth church will be raptured too. You also be ready. Nana, you also be ready. Every one of us has a personal responsibility to be ready for Jesus' coming. And that was why I was telling them, buy medicine for your eyes so that you, you will not be sleeping. You will be wide awake and watchful every time, waiting for his appearance. Amen? I'm going to explain in detail what it means to be ready for his coming. So, we see three requirements for those who will be raptured. The first one is that they must be fruit-bearing Christians. Not just nominal Christians, Christians in name. Not just people who fill the census sheet when you say, what is your religion? And then they take Christian. No. That one is for Canadian census, not for heaven census. <laughs> Fruit-bearing Christians, which means they have to be born again. Born again means a transformed nature. A new nature. Remember, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things. All things means all things. Not some things. Not like, oh, I used to do drugs and smoking and um, sleeping with a lot of girls and stealing. But now that I'm in Christ, I've stopped all the three. It's just the stealing that... Uh, <laughs> That one is, is profitable. I get some money, so I'm just continuing. No. All things means all things. All things have become new. Amen. And then the second, actually before that, let's, let's see. Being born again, I want you to distinguish between the righteousness of Christ, which is imputed unto us. So big, big words here, but it will be good for you to understand it. Okay. There is what is called imputed righteousness. Impute means it is given to you. You don't work for it. Okay? So when you become a Christian, the moment you accept Jesus, 
It is not based on what you do or not do. That is just based on your faith in Jesus. Once he say, I believe in Jesus, that very moment, Jesus, who is the only righteous person on, on earth and in heaven, the only righteous person, you understand? His righteousness, God takes his righteousness and gives it to you. So in the moment you believe and accept Jesus, when God the Father sees you, he sees you as righteous and as holy as Jesus. He sees you as somebody who has never sinned before. Isn't that beautiful? And that is what the, the Bible scholars call justification. It means you are justified. It's like everything that you have ever done is written off, forgiven. You are a fully righteous person. That is why the thief who was on the cross, when he, he said to Jesus, remember me in paradise. You know, the thief, he never got the chance to do anything right. Right? He was hanging on the cross. It was too late. He just had to die after he believed in Jesus. But he was still going to heaven. Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise. Because in that very moment, the righteousness of Jesus was given to him. So he was a righteous person. You get it? But those of us who, after we have believed in Jesus, we, we don't die right away. And we are still here. We still have that imputed righteousness. But there is also what the Bible calls imparted righteousness, which the Bible scholars will, will, will tell you, it's sanctification, to sanctify, make holy, make pure, right? Imparted righteousness. That, what is that? That is when the Holy Spirit, who is now given to us, works in us every single day to refine our character so that we become more like Jesus every day, every day. Every day, he is purifying our character. So he is imparting. You see, that righteousness of Christ that is given, now he is almost like working his way slowly into your nature to change you. Are you, are you with me? You get it? So that when I say that I'm a Christian, after some time, we have to be able to see the fruits of you being a Christian. Can't say that I'm in Christ. 20 years now, and everything that I was still doing before I came into Christ, I am still doing it. You are just deceiving yourself. Amen? Somebody had their hand up. Yes, Vanessa. Oh, no, he is beside God. He was just taking him to paradise. Okay? Yeah, if I say I will, I will be with you in your home. Maybe I was just visiting you in your home, right? And then I'll go to wherever I'm going. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. So, fruit-bearing Christians, born-again Christians, I'm not talking about Christians who have never sinned or who never sinned, okay? I'm talking about Christians who, one, believe in Jesus, and two, make a conscious effort to live right. So that when I miss it today, I don't say it's okay, everybody's doing it. It's okay. Oh, it's, no, 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 it's not okay. It's not okay. I have to ask God to forgive me. I have to ask God, oh, I just messed up. Please have mercy on me. That is somebody who is walking in the righteousness of Christ. You get, that is somebody who is being watchful, who is alert, always checking their hearts, checking themselves. You know, alert. I don't want to be taken unawares. So the moment I speak roughly to Myra, because the Holy Spirit is inside me, when I speak roughly to Myra, those who will check me, say, no, that, you, you, you shouldn't have said it that way. 
and then I say, oh, no, but she annoyed me. It's okay, she deserves it. I'm, I'm gradually becoming blind. Now I'm not being watchful anymore. By the moment he checks me, I say, oh, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I get on my knees. I weep. God, forgive me. I'm not saying you always have to weep when you confess your sins. You know, sometimes you weep, but sometimes you don't weep. Sometimes you just say, it's as simple as, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And that's it. You are being watchful. Amen. Yes, Chris. How about you just say like, just say like, uh, God, forgive me, and then you go do the same thing again? Yeah. If you say, God, forgive me, and you really meant it, not just you just said it, but you really meant it, he forgives you. And if you happen to do it again, you say, God, forgive me again, and really mean it each time. And God will forgive you even if it happens a hundred times. You know what Jesus said? He said, how many times did Jesus say we should forgive our brother when they sin against us? Seventy times seven. He said, when your brother sins against you, and he, he's talking about the same sin, okay? So let's say, oh, I don't know that you get offended when I slap you, Myra. And so I come and then I slap you. <laughs> and then, oh, I realize, oh, she was offended. And I say, oh, Myra, please forgive me. And then you forgive me. And then the next time I come, and then because my hand, I can't stop controlling it. Boom, I slap you again. And then I say, forgive me. And then you forgive me. And Jesus is saying, if I keep slapping her like that for 70 times, seven times, which is what? 490 times. Each time, Myra should do what? She should forgive me. That was, that was a proverbial speech. What Jesus was actually saying, because seven is the number of perfection, right? So when he actually says 70 times seven, he's actually saying uncountable number of times. Uncountable number of times you must forgive. Do I have your attention? I have to pause very soon. So the point is, if Jesus expects me, a human being, to forgive my brother 70 times seven, how much more him? Do you get it? So Jesus, if I offend you 1,000 times, and each time I come to you and I say, Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me, I also expect him to forgive me because each time I ask him to forgive me and I really mean it. God knows from my heart. If I don't mean it, he knows it. So it's not like I'm deceiving anybody. Do you get it? But God knows. The, the point is when you are always sorry for what you have done and you are consciously asking God to forgive you and not only to forgive you, but to give you the power to overcome. Because that is also our portion. He said, sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not rule over you. Sin shall not have power over you. Because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. In other words, there is power available for us to overcome every sin that besets us. That, you know, there are sometimes we struggle with some certain things. We try to stop it, but it's difficult. You don't let it go on. No way. You have the power. You get it? Kill it. With that power of the Holy Spirit, you cry, say, Holy Spirit, this thing is troubling me. I want power to overcome it and be serious. You know, we take things so lightly. That's why we keep struggling. No way. No way. Why did Jesus die? Why should his death go in vain? He died when he said it is finished. It was really finished. There is no sin that must overpower a child of God. Amen. Who had their hand up somewhere? Yes, Irina. Um, so if you ask God to forgive you for something, and he does, 
And then you still feel bad, so you ask him again, and you ask him, will he be annoyed? No, uh, to some extent. <laughs> to some extent, but what you need is to know that God is not like a human being. When God says, I will forgive you, he means it. So when you ask him to forgive you, you must believe that he has forgiven you. You get it? And don't be asking again. Believe it. The devil will try to make you feel that, look, see, God hasn't really forgiven you. Then remind the devil, no. God's word said, when I ask him to forgive me, he will forgive me. Therefore, I believe he has forgiven me because I have asked him to forgive me. Period. Case closed. Yes. How do you forgive yourself? That one is a process. That one doesn't happen in an instant. That is a process which I don't know if I can start talking about now. We'll pick it up another time. But you definitely have to learn to forgive yourself when you, when you mess up. You're not perfect. Sometimes you can mess up. Okay? But you have to learn to forgive yourself. Let's move on. So the first criteria for being raptured is what? Be born again. Have a transformed life. Be a fruit-bearing Christian. The second criteria is that you should be a Christian who is not what? Lukewarm. You should be on fire for Jesus. You should be passionate for Jesus. Do you, do you get what I'm telling you? Me, I don't want to play cha-cha with my going to heaven. Do you know what cha-cha is? <coughs> like games. I don't want to play games with my going to heaven. Hey, because if I miss the rapture, can't sing. Can't sing. Cha-cha is can't sing. <laughs> Dancing. Oh, cha-cha's life. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, what I'm saying is, if the rapture happens, and then I'm still here, hey, I don't want that to happen. And so, if Jesus is telling some people that because you are lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you, then what do you think I should do? I have to crank up my temperature for him. Crank it all the way because, hey, if people who are lukewarm barely are making it, then I want to be on the highest side of hot for Jesus. Are you with me? Number three, you have to be ready. You have to be ready. You have to be ready. Let's read this. I'll end with this scripture here. Emmanuel, can you read for me? <coughs> Let's pay attention. Guys, let's pay attention. In the, kingdom of, in the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps and they took no oil. They took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, afterward the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, come open us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Amen. Amen. Now this 
this scripture, I don't want you to take it lightly. You notice that it's Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. You remember which chapter Jesus started talking to them about the end times? That was Matthew chapter 24. So when he had told them about all the things which we have already talked about, all the things that were going to happen, then he told them about this parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. Remember, we're talking about who will be raptured. Jesus also closed his message on the end times with those who will be raptured, those who will make it. And he talks about ten virgins. You know who a virgin is, right? Isn't a virgin seen as somebody who is pure? Yeah. Right? Somebody who's kept herself, right? Or himself. That is a virgin. But beyond that, Jesus is saying, the ten, there are five wise and there are five foolish ones. Foolish virgins. And I'm telling you, the foolish virgins are those Christians, right? Their Christianity is their virginity. Those Christians who do not pay attention to what I'm saying right now. They're just lukewarm. Lukewarm Christians who think that coming to church makes them a child of God. Go put, go put, um, um, what? Yourself in the garage. Do you think you become a car? <laughs> no. You will not become a car. So, bringing yourself to the church doesn't make you a child of God. Doesn't make you a Christian. Right? It is what you actually let that whole Christianity affect your life. Your, your, your life. Everybody can see that, no, there's something different about Myra. There's something different about this person. Right? Because the whole thing is affecting your life. Do you get it? He's telling them about the parable of the ten virgins. Now, I want you to pay attention to what he's saying here. He's saying, the thing that made the difference between the wise and the foolish was what? Oil. Oil. Now, you notice that they both had oil. The foolish also had oil, didn't they? They had oil. The wise also had oil. But what distinguished the wise from the foolish was that the wise had extra oil. They, they did something extra. Remember I'm talking to you about being on fire for Jesus. That is something extra. The great crowd of people today who are in the lukewarm zone, they don't want to do something extra to be on fire. You know, it takes something extra to crank up your temperature for Jesus. It takes up discipline. Say, waking up, I'm going to pray this morning before I go out. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm not going to take my church going serial, uh, um, trivially. I'm going to take it seriously. It's time for church. Hey, I have to wake up. I'm going. I'm not going to be late. That is a serious person who is doing something extra. Do you get it? There is camp coming this year. Mommy has been saying she doesn't have money. But I want to go to camp. So the money, the $5 ice cream every day, I'm going to start saving it. That is somebody who is doing something extra. Do you get it? Doing something extra will cost you. You think the extra oil came free for the wise people? What did the person tell the foolish ones when they were asking? Go and do what? Buy. You buy with what? Money. It costs. It will cost you. You want to be serious for Jesus? It will cost you something, Zoni. To cost you something. Sometimes you may lose some friends. If you don't want to lose friends, you just want to be popular amongst your friends, okay, go ahead. You might be around with them when after the rapture happens. And maybe you'll be the one preaching to them. God forbid. We are all going to the rapture. Say amen. Amen. 
Amen. So let's do something extra. Now there are a few things I want you to notice here in, in this. Christians will be raptured. They have their lamp always burning. What Jesus was saying. To have your lamp burning involves three things. And amazingly, it is those same three things that we have talked about before. The first thing is that they always have, they always live in the light. If your lamp is burning, don't you always have light around you? So you're always living in the light. To live in the light means that they are living right. They are living right. Jesus said something. I want you to pay attention to what Jesus said. John 3, 20 and 21. Nana, read for me. But he who does the truth comes to the, to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have, done, that they have been done in God. Amen. Jesus is saying, people who live in the light, they do good deeds, and so they, their deeds are seen. The ones who don't like the light, who don't go through the care of making sure that their lamp will never go out. It's like, I'm just flowing with the crowd. You don't really care if you lose your Christian fire. So, all of a sudden, you realize you are living in darkness. And he said, those who live in darkness is because they hate the light, because their deeds are evil, and they don't want it to be exposed. So, these wise virgins were people who made a conscious effort to make sure that their light doesn't go out, that they are always living right for Jesus. Amen. Number two, they are always on fire for the Lord. If your lamp is burning... Doesn't mean you always have fire for Jesus, right? The lamp is the fire. It's the fire that brings the light. They are always on fire for Jesus. Look at what this scripture said. Michaela, read for me. That is why I remind you to fan into flame the gracious gift of God, that inner fire, the special endowment which is in you through the ring of on of my hands, with those of the elders at your ordination. Amen. Second Timothy 1 6. He says, I am always reminding you, fan into flame the gracious gift of God. Every one of us here has a gift from God. God has put a gift in every one of us, which he needs for his church to go on. He needs for his work to go on. You can decide, I'm going to pack my gift and sit on it. I'm not going to use it. It's up to you. You're sitting on your fire and you are not going to be a candidate for the rapture. Going, because the fire is what will bring the light around you. Are, you. are you with me? And when the fire is no more there, the light is gone and the darkness is around. And the darkness will make you not to see when he's coming. Okay? Let's read this other scripture. Romans 12, 11. Princess, read for me. Amen. So these are two different versions of the same scripture. The first one, I like it. It says, don't be lazy in showing your devotion. Use your energy. You know what energy is? All of us, we are youth. We have energy. Right now, we have energy to serve the Lord. Most of us, you stayed, most of, who slept before 12 midnight last night? Before 12. But quite a great number of us slept after 12, right? Yeah. Slept after 12, but we are up and still full of energy. 
you wait and grow up till you are 60 or 65 and try to sleep after 12 and wake up in the morning to come. You will see that your whole body is telling you, I'm tired. But right now, we have energy to serve the Lord. You have energy to serve the Lord. That time that you stayed up, you could use it to do something for God. You can use it. Let's build a youth. What can we do? Maybe I can do this. Tomorrow's service. What can I also do to help? Let me do this. Let me do this. You are using your time to serve the Lord. He says, use your energy to serve the Lord. Amen? The other version says, be on fire with the Spirit. Be on fire. Be on fire. Don't be cold. Don't be lukewarm. Be on fire. If you, if you really mean serious with Jesus, be serious. Amen? The third one, they are ever ready for the coming of the Lord. When the bridegroom came, the other ones who didn't have the lamp, the fire, they had gone to buy oil. But the ones who had the extra oil, when the bridegroom came, they were ready. So they went in, right? And we have to be ready. Anel, read for me. Spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Um, Revelation 3, verse 2. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Revelation 3, verse 3. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. And, and repent. Um, if you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come against you. Amen. This is Jesus speaking to the church. He's saying that you have a reputation to be alive, but you are dead. Everybody knows that you are a Christian. Everybody sees you as a Christian. Right? But I, Jesus, I see what they don't see. I see that you are really dead. You are not alive. And I'm telling you to repent. And strengthen what is about to even die. And he says, if you do not repent or wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what hour I will come against you. That's a reference to the rapture. Because the rapture is a secret appearance of Jesus. The whole world will not see. They will not know. All that they will see is that people have vanished. And it is only those who are awake and ready and alert. Who will know when the trumpet sounds? You know when it says the vo- he will come with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. It is only those who are ready who will hear that trumpet. And once we hear it, boom, we will be changed. My body will be changed because I'm going. My body will be changed. I'll be take- given a new body which can endure heaven and be caught up to meet with him. But the others, it will be like a thief in the night. By the time they wake up, oh, everybody is gone. You have to be ready. Yes, Michaela. Um, so you see how it says like a thief in the night? People just assume you're going to be sleeping. But like someone told me that like God's not going to come and you're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But because everyone has different time zones, what if I'm sleeping and I'm not thinking about it, but someone somewhere else in like China is thinking right. about it? Right, right. Is God going to come then? Like- right, no, it does not refer to the night as in that Jesus is going to come in the night. It's referring to watchfulness. Now, watchfulness also doesn't mean in the moment that he is coming, 
oh, I should be thinking about him, right? It has to do with the way you are living your life. If you are constantly aware that Jesus can come anytime, you will be mindful of how you live your life any moment. Do you get it? So I could be, I could be at um, Mandarin with you guys enjoying the Chinese food, the Shanghai noodles, and the Cantonese chow mein, right? <laughs> enjoying all of that. And then I will hear the trumpet and I say, hey, bye-bye. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's wrap up. How, how you can also be raptured. Pay attention. This is the last slide. How you can also be raptured. Are you interested? Number one, you must be born again. You must be born again. Jesus went to Nicodemus, who had been in the church at the time, the, the Jewish system. He had been in it for a long time. He had become one of their leaders there. Jesus looked at him and said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except you are born again, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. He had, been in, he had been in the system for a long time to the point where he had become one of their top leaders who can explain the Bible to you. He was a teacher of the law. He can teach people the Bible. Jesus looked at him and said, You, except you become born again, you are not going to heaven. So, it's not about that you are coming to church. You get it? Coming to church is important. You have to come. But it's not about that, hey, you see, I come to church, so yeah, I'm going to heaven when the rapture. You are joking. You must be born again. You have to be born again. Your life has to be changed and transformed. You get it? You have to be changed and transformed. After you have believed in Jesus, you have to be actively working with the Holy Spirit to transform your life, to change you into a new person. Otherwise, you, 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 it will be like a surprise. Amen? Number two, you have to be involved. One of the surest ways to be on fire for Jesus is to be involved. Because when you are involved, you, you, the gift that is in you, you are able to use it for God. If I was not the youth pastor, today, fine Sunday... I'll be dressed nicely with my suit, my family, my nice family, and then we'll go and sit there, and then I'll be holding my child, and then some pastor will be preaching to me, and then we'll just sing and clap, I give my offering, and then we are done, I pack my family into my car, and then we go home. But God had already put some gift in me, but I'll be sitting there carrying my baby and taking it to the, that is, the, that is what I'll be doing. Do you think I'll be on fire for Jesus? No. When I go home, I put on the TV, I'll be watching basketball. I won't be on fire. But right now, I don't have time to watch basketball. I don't, because I have barely slept. I have barely slept because I have to prepare to talk to you guys. So when I go home, after I play with my children, then I catch some more sleep. You get it. That is how it is when you are using your gift to serve the Lord. You get involved. Whatever it is you can do. We are going to do nominations now. We need people to be sports leader, media, 
leader, president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, event organizer. You, see, you can do something. You too, you can do something. Are you with me? Use your gift to serve the Lord and be on fire. Say, hey, this Friday, what are we doing? Let's organize something. Then as you organize it, some person will come who also doesn't know the Lord. They will come to play the basketball too. Then we talk to the person. The person becomes a Christian. You don't think you will get a reward for organizing a basketball event? You will get a reward. You may not be the one that will preach. But because of your presence that made the event possible, when that person came to the Lord, you also get a reward. And your fire for Jesus keeps blazing. Lastly, you have to be ready. What it means to be ready is to continue to live right and to serve with your gift. You know, one of the mistakes that people do is that the moment I get myself involved and I've started living right, I know that my life is changing, I think that I have arrived. And so they stop continuing. You do that, you are no longer alert. You are no longer watchful. When you are ready, you are watchful. You are continuing to serve, continuing to live right. Every single day you are striving forward. What more can I do? Pastor Cyril, what can we do in the youth? What, what can we do? What more can we do? Amen? Amen? When you have these three things in your life, look, I'm telling you, you can be sure that you are going to be part of the rapture. There is no two ways. You can, you can bet your life on it. Like me right now, I, I, nobody can deceive me. I am confident when the rapture happens, I'm going. It's not, like, uh, it's not like I'm not sure. I am very sure. Amen. He was just blessing my statement. I am very, very sure. You know why? Because I'm not cooling down now at all. I am cranking up the temperature more and more, more on fire for Jesus. Even if, you see, when we are doing praise and worship, you guys are not singing. You see, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me, cry. Hey, you know, cold water can't affect my fire. Still, I will sing and scream and whatever. Be on fire for Jesus. Amen. Shall we be on our feet? I want you to pray. I want you to pray and ask the Lord. This is an individual affair. Remember what Jesus said. You also be ready. I want you to close your eyes and talk to God. Say, Lord Jesus, I have really heard you talk to me today. Help me to make sure of my connection to you. Help me to be on fire for you. Help me to be ready when you are coming. Pray. Be serious and pray. Pray. Talk to God in your heart. Don't just stand. Just talk to God. He is here right now with us. Lord, I give you my heart. 
I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm away. Oh Lord, have your way in me. I give you my heart, I give you my soul, oh, I live for you alone, every breath that I take, oh, every moment I'm awake, Oh, Lord, have your way. There are some of us here, you want to rededicate your life to the Lord. You want to say, Lord Jesus, I am going to take you seriously from today. I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want you to pray it after me. Mean it from your heart, and the Lord will help you. Say, Lord Jesus. Thank you for speaking to me today. I really want to take you seriously. Please help me. This day, I declare that I belong to Jesus. His blood has washed away all my sins. Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And I commit my whole life into his hands, my time, my resources, my energy, my mind, everything in me, I give it to Jesus. Master Jesus, help me from today to live for you, to really be serious about everything that has to do with you. You know my weaknesses. You know what I struggle with. I am asking that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will help me to overcome in the name of Jesus. Now let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for today, how you have spoken to us. Lord, you said it's not my word like fire. It's not like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces. Let the power of your word bring sure transformation in our lives from today. Let a seed that has been dropped into our hearts germinate and grow and bear fruit for your glory. So that many of us can look back to today and say that was when my life took up a new turn for Jesus. I thank you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.